What up? What yo, up? Yo, what yo, up? Yo, here we go again. This is oh, a song you just oh, made up. Oh, oh, is this a real song? Here we go. Nope, it's not a real I'm song. Flowing, baby, I'm flowing. I'm in the. I'm in the groove. Yeah, you sound like you backed up. That's what you said. <laughs> What's up, Pastor uh, Jeff? Giving us the new intro music. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Here we go again. Now watch me go hear this on the radio. Somebody gonna make a billion dollars. Off that track. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Sunday Night Service. This is Religiously Incorrect Podcast with Pastor Todd and Pastor Jeff. How y'all doing out there? How y'all doing? It's a beautiful day after a little little bit of storms coming through. Man. But uh, it, it's a beautiful day, and, and, and everybody is, is on watching. I want you to tag. I want you to share. Charlene is, is, is flowing. Yes, yes. It's flowing yes. with Jeff's flow. <laughs> Lady Dela Cruz, if you're watching, make sure you share this on your timeline. Tag somebody, tell them to pop in, join us. And while you're at it, hit the likes, hit the hearts. Let's get those views up tonight. It's a, it's, it's like a warmer weather season. I was thinking to myself, Pastor Jeff, it's it's that warm weather season. School is going to be out soon. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes. weather's going to be nicer. The days are longer. Uh-huh. And uh, folks, and I, stop coming to church. And, well, well. We're doing good. We're doing all right for now. You know, I don't know if it's is, is, is Memorial Day that cut off where people just start to say, listen, I got places to go. Uh, you know, every, golf, amusement parks. Everybody ain't on vacation. Listen, every, y'all be using that excuse. Y'all, Bedside Baptist. We, we, on, we on vacation this week. We y'all ain't. And then I see y'all sparkle. <laughs> right at church. Walmart. <laughs> right after church. <laughs> right. Oh, everybody yeah. on vacation. I, I'm going to say this, man. And, you know, I'm going to say I said it before, but I, I got to say it one more time. Because I keep, it's, it's, this is the season for it. This is the season. This is the season for it. Where what you can fit until you can fit oh, here comes what you want to wear. Here, here comes it just, Jeff. It's just, you know. Wear I mean, what you can fit. Until you can fit. Until you can fit. What you want to wear. What you want to wear. You can't fit it yet. You know, listen, if your toes ain't done, Jeff, don't wear open toes shoes. You know, you, you are living in the era of body positivity. And right now no, you are body no. shaming. Everybody cannot wear those uh, jumper body suits. We can't all wear it. It's just you can't. It, yeah, listen, I'm not talking about everything. If Jesus me- can wear a loincloth on the cross, <laughs> then sister can wear whatever she thinks she looks sexy in. Because no, you, you know what's like the season of stomachs out? You, have stu- you- right. <laughs> listen, stomach. <laughs> I seen like a great grandma. I'm not even making this up. And I mean like a real great grandma, not like a great grandma. I seen a real great grandma, like probably at least 70. I mean, and she was blasting it. Uh, just doing what she just doing. She was just blasting it. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. It's she didn't have positive. stretch marks. She had slave marks. <laughs> <laughs> Look like her belly needed to be ironed. <laughs> Sorry, no, just, now you're going to hell for that. <laughs> Listen, listen. I'm so I'm sorry, Jeff. This is all your fault. You brought this up, and now we're gonna get canceled. We're about to switch gear. We're about to switch gear. I got something I want to talk about. A little late for that. I got something I want to talk about. What you want to talk about? Since you offended all the ladies on this podcast, they're the only ones even watching. Nobody. I love y'all. I love y'all. Was that it? Was song used to come on? Mike Todd probably don't know. Numbers going straight down. Todd probably don't. Mike, you remember that song? Girls. Big ones, little ones, girls, 
Oh my, okay. Somebody's gonna type in and know this song. <laughs> you lost me on that one. Yeah. I can't believe y'all remember that they, song. Well, I, I feel like I did hear that yeah, though a, somewhere. Was I was young. Day. I had was, to be young. Big, okay, so here's a question. Where, where, where you here's at, Pastor question. Jeff? Because I, you know, and I got this because not not too long ago, um, your kids stayed stayed the night over my house. Right. Do we do? People spend the night anymore. It's, it's not spend the night. It's spend the night. Spending the night. Spend the night. Are Do pe- you allow your kids to spend the night places anymore? With like one or two trusted friends at this point. Like I you. Say everywhere. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like our parents just abandoned us at any <laughs> random house on a regular basis. That, yeah, I mean, you could just call and be like, I'm spending the night. And, and, right. And, okay. I'm down the street at Ryan's house. You know, Ryan, the guy's right. dad has a chainsaw you borrowed one time. <laughs> That guy. Yeah, the guy. that guy, you know, well, with all of the, you know, abuse cases and, you know, things going on where people don't trust and, and people are not. It's not just a lack of which, which rightfully so it, you can't trust every adult. Right, right. But a lot of adults are not even taking the time to get to know other adults and used to intermingle with parents more. And you, you, you meet up at the school, school events or everybody was in the sports league and, of course, church. Obviously, church is another place. And then you had broader like cousin relationships, mm-hmm. aunts and uncles and whatnot. That doesn't exist as much anymore. There are a couple of families out there. I'm sure do the, the cousin, you know, pile up once in a while. But nah, man, I mean, you guys are literally the only family right now Absolutely. outside of our cousins, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. We send our kids to, and I got family that I wouldn't send my children. I don't send mine and none of my family. <laughs> you ain't new. You hear that, Stanford? <laughs> Dude. You're not good enough for just. My, my son is too uh, sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> he too sensitive. Some he fits them, right in with the Johnsons. <laughs> some of them words y'all say in the Stanford. Yeah, some of them things y'all. <laughs> ain't going to go over. Some of the stuff y'all smoke in the Stanford. Listen. <laughs> When Jeff son spend the night spends the night at our house, you can just guarantee there's gonna be mud involved somewhere. <laughs> we don't know how or when, but it, it never fails. My son is not see Todd's kids. That's the Todd kids. They know how to navigate outside. I lost my shoes <laughs> where in the forest. <laughs> Let's be outside. This is a whole new experience. For it's him. a whole new experience. <laughs> my boys be climbing trees and riding deer around the backyard and. You know, I come home. I come home. Coon. I'm like, hey, how was y'all? How, how's y'all day? We went outside. We ran up. To, you know, we stay at. Don't be going outside. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And they come over there <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in Gunfire Alley trying to run around and frolic in the meadow. I'm like, brothers, brothers. Yeah. Spend, spending the night. You know who took spending the night? Who's that? All the sneaky links. Ooh. Grown folk took over spending the night. They spend the night. All the grown they, folks. They spend the night night. You know you, you know you ladies be walking around in your overnight bags in the trunk uh-huh. just in case. Talking about I'm going to stay over cousin's house. Right. Your, your, your friend, your bro. It might be scared of you, but they ain't stupid. They, right. They ain't, they ain't stupid. Thanks. Yeah. So adults have taken over the spending the, the spending the night. Mm-hmm. Now I'm saying spending the night like you. <laughs> spending the night. <laughs> adults have taken it over. Grandparents don't want to keep kids like that no more. Absolutely. Because they they all busy themselves. <laughs> they, they try to go to the club too. <laughs> they be busy themselves. They be like, Ma, can you can you watch the uh the babies? I'm trying to go to the concert. They're like, baby, I already got my tickets to the concert. <laughs> I'm front row. I'm trying to go to the Cat Williams. <laughs> With my belly out. <laughs> See? With my belly out. See? 
<laughs> yeah, grandpa's yeah. dang child. I be calling Roz like, hey, Roz, can you? No. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, man, that's, Roz. That, we that, know Roz ain't keeping that's nobody. No. That's Having a fashion no. show. Having, uh, <laughs> you know what? No, she did keep She did keep uh, gracing yesterday. And just so y'all know, I, I went and saw the new Marvel movie. I took the kids to see Oh, Christian to see the new Marvel Doctor Strange. What is it? Oh, you saw Doctor Strange? Listen, Was it, it strange? is demonic. It's demonic. It's demonic. Are oh, you about to do one of those evangelical? Don't watch this movie. I ain't. Do, I mean, it's gonna the, possess the, your listen, kids. I'm gonna be honest. I liked it, but it was demonic. Don't let it in your ear gates. <laughs> Don't let it in your ear gates. Your eye gates. Your eye gates. <laughs> Every gate. <laughs> the west gate. The sheep gate. The cow gate. Right. <laughs> what that mouth gate do? <laughs> Mike, you told us to wing it. <laughs> you get what you, you get when you tell us to wing it. <laughs> we didn't offend it, women. I should have known. I should have known. Give us a subject something. next time, Mike. No, man. Give us a subject. Hey, to, only... all, to all the viewers, this will never happen again. You can, <laughs> you can only go downhill from here. All right, y'all. We don't want to get in any more trouble. Let's move on. Uh, it's time for Meme of the Week. Meme of the Week. Meme of the Week. Meme of the Week. Wasn't it religiously incorrect, ladies and gentlemen? Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Thank you. Send us your memes of the week. Meme of the week. These are all jokes. We are just playing. One pass. <laughs> When pastor anoints your head with expired oil. First of all, fir- first and foremost, if you're black, there is no such thing as expired oil, spices, None. ketchup, None. truth be told, milk or eggs. <laughs> there, there, there's no such thing as expired anything. Spi- n- nothing expires. But you know what? All oil is not created equal. It's not. It absolutely. And not. we will turn anything into blessed oil. Absolutely. Crisco. The bacon grease off the back of the stove. Valvoline. (laughs) The pot liquor from the greens. Boy, go get me some of that blessed oil from out the garage. (laughs) Give me some of that WD-30. Boy, dip that cup in the fry, daddy. (laughs) Filter out the chicken chicken crumbles. So what the the deep fryer was just on. (laughs) Well, I was about to say I was about to say that that might not be blessed oil. That might be uh, an Ash Wednesday mistake <laughs> when the ashes are still hot. Yes, sir. The ashes are still hot and you didn't burn somebody's line up. I'm going to be honest. I'm that was offended. Uncris- I'm, Put that I'm back a- up. That was the most uncrispiest line I've ever seen I'm in my life. I'm offended by this picture. This was a punishment. I'm offended by this picture because this is how I actually end up with my bald head, y'all. Oh, you did one of these? I I I was I was. What did, did somebody do it to you? Yeah, I was in the fifth grade, and my stepfather Jesus. used to cut my hair. And my uncle came over, and my stepfather Stop. was taking forever to come. I was like, "Come on, uh, uncle, I, mean, I can I can cut, I can fade you up." I had ball spots like that all over my head, man. I, and my stepfather came home. First, he gave me a whooping for allowing my uncle you, to cut you my got hair. Got a whooping, and course. then he cut me bald. And I, I cried all the way to school the next day. And then like three girls were like, I, I think your hair, I think your hair is kind of cute like that. And that was it. it hey, and you know what Jeff said after that? What that mouth gate do? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to religiously incorrect podcast. Welcome. 
I'm losing members on a weekly basis now. I'm losing members. Oh my gosh. All right, y'all. <laughs> we got to thank our sponsors for uh, supporting this travesty of a show. <laughs> first, the Phillips Care family of businesses. I said first, like there's somebody else. <laughs> Phillips Care Cleaning Service. My man Fernando can do it all. If your house needs it, they can do it. Check them out. Call them at 330-219-7916. This is really a short list. The cleaning. What are you laughing about? Cleaning, carpets, uh, upholstery. They do maintenance, installations. I'm about to call them. My gutters uh, are, are sagging. I'm going to take care of Call them. Look them up on Facebook, Phillips Care LLC, and while you're at it, you know your grass is high. You know you're not about to cut it. Let Phillips Care Lawn Services do it for you. Please don't have uh, my constituents calling me, talking about Consumer Johnson, my neighbor's lawn is too high. Call Phillips Care LLC Lawn Services. They are fair. They are excellent at what they do, serving Trumbull, Mahoning, and surrounding areas. Edging, trimming, lawn mowing, weekly, bi-weekly, starting at $30. They got the quality work for you. Call my man, Fernando, at 330-219-7916. Please don't post up on Facebook, where can somebody cut my grass when you've been watching this podcast. Yes, you yes, know yes. who can do it. And truth be told, need to get your lazy kids up and make them do it. Because you, you are on here texting. Talking about who can cut my grass while your boy is good and grown absolutely, in the basement. Absolutely, absolutely. Shame absolutely. on you. Shame. Shame. Please, please. Welcome to religiously shaming people <laughs> for cutting grass. All right. So we have a special guest in a special show. But I'd like to say before we call our special guest, I spent one day in the sun. And I'm good and crispy. Yeah, you look like put a fork in you. you I got, am good and crispy. Dying. And can I say? I thought the lights got you thought, Nah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 shining. I feel like I was in the fry daddy. I tried. I, I tried. I tried to shoot him in the bullet came back and asked for a flashlight. <laughs> and by the way, white people, if you go tanning, please do not compare yourself to black people. If you go tanning, do not tell your black friend I'm almost as dark as you now. Right. Don't right. don't put your arm next to ours. Don't do it. If you want somebody to pray melanoma on you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> compare your darkness to them because that's that's a no-no. So anyway, our, our special guest, yes, Mark, you missed the meme of the week. You have to watch it later. Is a wonderful gentleman uh, who, who is a speaker and a teacher in the Catholic Church. He attends St. Dominic's and uh, we wanted to have a show about Catholicism. Catholicism. Because you know what? When you come grow up in a church like we do, whether you're Baptist, Kojic, Methodist, whatever, it's like a whole other world. And I have attended a Catholic church. All y'all know about Catholicism is Hail Mary full of grace. That's all y'all know. All y'all know really is Tupac. Hail Mary, come with me. <laughs> that, that's really that's really all you know, to be honest about it. Uh, but we have a special guest with us, and he's going to talk and work with us. Trust me, you will not be bored. I want you to tag somebody. I want you to bring somebody in, share this uh, podcast, tell somebody. We're about to go in deep. We're about to talk about some things with our guest, Mr. Nick Nolfi. Welcome to the show, everybody with hand claps, hearts, likes. Mr. Nick Nolfi. How you doing today, Nikki? Good. How's it going? Great, oh, great, man, great, great. Man, now great. we got to act right. We got white people in the hey, building. Real quick, uh, <laughs> real quick, I just wanted to tell you, yesterday, man, it was hot. I was out. Now, what do you think about this? I mean, that's pretty <laughs> tan, right? <laughs> you got to have someone that's Sicilian in there somewhere. Cut him. Cut him. Cut him. He's over. I don't know what saying we need to pray to to deal with these jokes. Yeah. 
thank you for being on the show today. You know, the truth of the matter is Catholicism is like a, a no man's land. It's a big black market. A lot of people think they know, especially if, if they're Christians, Protestants, uh, no matter what the denomination. But the vast majority of people just don't know much about what it means to be Catholic, uh, what the beliefs are, what they aren't. I think like everything else, like all other parts of culture, we get our information from the movies, from TV shows and now from social media even jokes and memes and, you know, just funny stuff you've heard over the years. Uh, I can say honestly that a funny thing, and we'll talk about it even more going forward, is one of the biggest criticisms that sometimes hits Protestant Christians is that if you do something, dress some way mm-hmm. or behave some way that seems too Catholic, or you wearing them robes like the Catholics, right, right. or you you you're doing that prayer or that uh, you whatever it might be, and that that sounds awfully Catholic. It's almost like a, a slur, mm-hmm. you know. It's almost like a slur to Protestants sometimes to be associated with Catholicism. So we thank you for being on and for sharing with us, and for those of you watching as we go through the conversation and we chop it up. Of course, we're gonna keep it lighthearted, but you can throw your questions in there as well. I know you have questions and we'll try to get to your questions. If you've ever, you know how they have those uh, things about ask a black person. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're gonna have ask a Catholic Catholic. tonight, you know, ask a Catholic tonight. So if you have a question, type it in the comments, like, share. Nick, start off by telling us about your unique journey to converting to Catholicism. Tell us just a little bit about your journey to becoming Catholic. Yeah, so uh, I grew up, uh, went to a Nazarene church, which is a, you know, a holiness movement off of um, the Methodist church. So it was very much uh, based on the theology of Jonathan Wesley. Um, from there, I went, uh, spent a lot of time with the Assemblies of God. Uh, that's actually where I met my wife. Um, and then uh, I was very influenced by my grandfather, who was a Baptist. Um, I spent some time in a uh, non-denominational church. So um, what ended up happening is probably about 16 years ago, uh, I just kind of, you know, had this this view of all these different beliefs and biblical interpretations among all the different groups. And I ended up kind of, uh, you know, if you look at a tree that has all these different branches, and you kind of start wondering where these branches all came from. And as you kind of work backwards uh, and I got into church history, I ended up uh, feeling led into uh, Catholicism. And so I, I became Catholic probably about 16 uh, years ago. And I probably have been involved with speaking and teaching for probably about 15 of those years, I would say. Wow. Wow. I love it. I don't want to get too deep uh, right off the back, but I'm probably going to because that's just who I am. (laughs) Um, But one of the biggest issues that's going on right now um, worldwide is the whole Roe versus Wade thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, and I see a lot of my Catholic friends, a lot of my Catholic counterparts are very engaged in this uh, getting abortion uh, canceled and getting abortions canceled. And my question to you and many of my Catholic brothers is where was that energy, that same energy for uh, the, you know, quote unquote, black lives matter. What was that same energy for um, these, 
this police brutality. And I, I'm not saying that all, but there is there's a lot of people who have put so much energy into uh, abortion. And, you know, when when we're talking about all coming together, I think we're missing the mark on uh, the racism issue that's happening. And I just want to know if you could speak to that for a few minutes. Yeah, I would say this. I think that um, as Americans, because that's this is one thing that's unique with Catholicism. You know, Catholicism really is a worldwide uh, Christian uh, religion, and I think that as Americans, uh, it's it's natural for us to kind of like Jordan Peterson talks about this. We we want to be uh, tribalistic. You know, all humans. You know, we want to find a, a a group to cling to whether it's our sports team, uh, whether it's, you know, we vote blue or we vote red. And what ends up happening is people, you know, pick a, a party that they're going to affiliate with. And then, you know, we try to squeeze and fit our Christian theology to match our particular party. I think that the problem is, this is my viewpoint. I think that conservative, the conservative Christians view holiness and their view of holiness is avoiding sins of commission. So it's about be holy by don't do that. Don't have abortion. Don't have same sex marriage. You know, don't do, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. I know many, uh, even in the Catholic world, because the Catholic world is very split on this, uh, many devout Catholic Democrats. And I find that the Democratic Party is viewed, their view of holiness is not avoiding so much sins of commission, but avoiding sins of omission. You know, hmm. of omission meaning like the sin of not feeding the poor, the sin of not taking care of the immigrant, you know. Wow. And the thing is, it's not supposed to be either or thing and it's like when you were a little kid you had that little box and it had a little star hole and you had the little yellow star and it had the little square hole and you got to put the, the square only fits in a square hole I, I think that we try to take christianity uh even specifically catholicism and jam it into um you know one party when you know the christian church christianity will be eternal uh, America, the Democrats, the Republicans are not. And I would say this, that the Catholic Church, I actually feel, has a really good balance of uh, social issues. Because even if you read, you know, the catechism, the Catholic Church, you know, basically the, the beliefs of our church and even our interpretation of scripture uh, in the catechism, it deals a lot with Social justice. Social justice is a very huge thing uh, in Catholicism. So it's our job to um, open the door to the immigrant who wants to come here to, to seek shelter, you know, obviously coming in a, in a good way, though. Uh, it's our job to end racism. It's our job to make sure that every life is um, viewed as valid. Our issue with um, abortion, which of course the Catholic Church believe, you know, life is, life begins at conception. And 
with Roe v. Wade, we just it's viewed it. I think a lot of people think that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, that it's going to outlaw abortion. That's not what it does at all. All it does is Roe v. Wade protected abortion where it could not be infringed on up to 22 weeks. I think that we would all agree. If you talk to the average person, you're like, hey, okay, well, what about like, would you agree like there's a certain point where like, okay, like this baby can feel pain uh, and it's too late. Most people, uh, you know, and this is the thing, the, 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 the pro-choice person, when they view abortion, they view a little, you know, seed being terminated. The pro-life person, when they view abortion, you know, they view like this nine-month, you know, developed baby, which, and that is, a third trimester is, is 1% of all abortions. The vast majority of, of abortions are in the second trimester, in the, the first trimester. But what Roe v. Wade does is it protects up to 22 weeks. So even these states that are saying like, hey, you know, once a once the baby has a heartbeat or, hey, once, you know, the baby's this far along, uh, you can't have an abortion. Um, Roe v. Wade actually fights against that. So what does this kind of like now you see states that like legalize pot, although federally it's still illegal. So you have states that are trying to make limitations on abortion. But federally, they don't have the right to do it because Roe v. Wade protects abortion up to 22 weeks along. If Roe v. Wade gets overturned, what it will do is it will give the right to the state. And the state could say, OK, you can have abortion at nine months. Or the state could say, once you have a heartbeat, it's too late. That's what Roe v. Wade does. But it, to go to your point, it is an important thing that... We view. We don't just we don't just say okay. We're only going to focus on what our party focuses right. on. You know, I saw a lot of Catholics like you know Nancy Pelosi just got denied communion, and I think that it's one of those things where like uh, you know where I do I do agree with it because it's an outward rejection of the Catholic faith. At the same time, it's not something like we should never clap about that you know our, our heart should go out there like you know all people um come to the fullness of their faith and that could be even just those who battle racism you know what i mean yeah so that's the case i'm glad you mentioned nancy pelosi because that seems to have ignited debate in the catholic church on both sides and sometimes it feels like on left and right conservative and more liberal Catholics, like we see in the Protestant church, there are, there are outliers or people who are more outspoken and they are determined to prove a point in a way like they're speaking for their side in a more extreme way. And it feels like that Cardinal, and I forget the gentleman out of Boston, that was also a very conservative uh, Cardinal uh, his name's on the tip of my tongue, but he was a part of the, uh, one of the sort of subgroups of the Catholic church or parachurch ministries. But it, it, it feels like, like you said, there is a wide diversity in the Catholic church. And while we might see billboards on one side, there's a lot of work going on on the other side of people who are more liberal minded or, or just they're in their minds, compassionate minded towards, towards the situations that surround uh, abortion. And, and, and I think that, you know, what do you guys consider, Speaking to that issue and the people who speak out broadly about that issue is when you think of 
the Protestant church, the evangelical church uh, or, or, or sector of the church, you, you think of these uh, almost like seasonal and cyclical stars mm-hmm. that come to represent the church. It could be Pat Robertson. It could be the Jim Bakers. It could be, yeah. uh, you know, who, who is it now? Some of the people, Robert Jeffries, mm-hmm. Robert Jeffries and people like that. You know, in the, in the black church, we have T.D. Jakes and Jamal Bryant and William Barber, and they speak. And when you turn on CNN, that's who's on there. Do you have right. that kind of personality and, and people who kind of stick out more in the Catholic church, but they might necessarily speak for everybody, but they kind of become the assumed voice. Does that, does that happen? Yeah, we, you definitely have your, um, you know, your popular uh, Catholics. Uh, one thing that's unique with Catholicism is Catholicism is very specific uh, theologically. So um, example, like, you know, any grave sin that I, do you know if somebody watches pornography or commits adultery or whatever in Catholicism? Um, since we view us as a unit, the body is one uh, as one body with many members. When I sin, I don't just affect me; I I affect the, the rest of the body of Christ. So we would be in grave sin. We would be cut off from communion unless we went to sacramental confession. Uh, but like say like abortion. Uh, if you have an abortion, encourage an abortion, perform an abortion, you're actually you actually don't go to confession to be able to go to, to communion. You're actually excommunicated. You actually have to have a bishop bring you back in. Um, now, is that the, in all churches or is that in, in, in some? Are there some cardinals and priests who would not adhere to that particular? There's always people who do not adhere um, I think it makes Catholicism confusing, but so it's hard. Like, you know, when you go to find a Catholic voice, um, like definitely like, yeah, like, you know, James Martin is father. James Martin is a famous Catholic. Cardinal Dolan was the name I was speaking of. Somebody commented oh, yeah. Cardinal Dolan. Cardinal Do- Dolan. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Cardinal Dolan, I think is a very good, uh, he's kind of like, a good like he he's not really leaning one side or the other. James Martin, Father James Martin, would be somebody totally on the left where he actually believes like, hey, listen, I admit like I don't even believe in Catholicism on these issues. Uh, so let's change Catholicism. Uh, I think Father Mike Smiths, um, who actually has like the number one podcast I think in the country right now, it's called Bible in a Year. Uh, Father Mike Smiths, uh, Bishop um, Robert Barron. Um, these would be like really famous uh, outspoken clergy in America. Father Flegler fall into that. Father uh, Michael Flegler. Yeah, I'm that. I'm not. I'm not that sure how I, I would put them. enough. Let me ask you this: Can you turn your volume down just a little just bit? A tad. Okay. So so. Just want to ask you this question. This is your opinion. I know you don't speak for all Catholics and all parishes, but do you believe that? And and I know we we need to get off this whole abortion thing, but I just want to ask you this: Do you believe that pro-choice is anti-Christian? Hmm. Um, I believe that we have to. 
not demonize the situation. I think that there are people who, you know, obviously people bring up the extreme things. Okay. Um, you know, the pro-life person is going to bring up the extreme of, you know, every time you're having an abortion, it's a nine month old in the womb that you're boarding. Okay. Which obviously is a very small percentage. The pro-choice person is always going to bring up, uh, you know, but yeah, but what happens if, you know, you're, you're, you know, you know, your, your seven-year-old gets raped and gets pregnant by her uncle. And if she doesn't abort the baby, you know, she's going to die. So there are obviously, that would be a very extreme thing. And that would be a very difficult thing, uh, especially f- from a, somebody who, I have two daughters, you know, it would be a very difficult thing. As hard as it is, you know, the belief would be two wrongs don't make a right. And, um, but I, I, so people like that, it's, I would believe it would be wrong. I would believe that abortion be wrong, but I don't think that it means they're having the abortion because they hate Jesus. I wouldn't say they're having the abortion because they don't, um, want to be a Christian anymore. Sometimes we all make bad mistakes. I think though, when you are stepping and you're predetermined, predetermined, determining uh, this of like, you know, like somebody who's saying, listen, you, if you're five months pregnant, you wanted a boy, but you found out you're having a girl. So you're going to terminate it. Like, yeah, that pro-choice person, I think at that point, now you're really getting against uh, viewing the dignity that humanity is is created in. Why I think that they would all be wrong in all stages. I think that as humans, we have to understand there are, you know, somebody's coming to rob your house and you shoot, you know, you shoot them. You know what I mean? It's not because you hate Jesus, you know, but I think that there is some gray intention, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I can just say anybody who believes because many people who are pro-choice, this they're not thinking about a five-month-old or four-month in the womb. They're thinking only of like four weeks and somebody's going to die if they don't have the abortion, you know, which I think is like right. almost right. never happens. But so I think it's too complicated to say, yeah, if you believe in abortion at all, it means you hate Jesus. I, I, I wouldn't go that far. Well, let's switch gears a little bit uh, to a far more serious subject, and that is uh, when baptisms are performed in the Catholic Church, to my understanding, uh, is it like the Godfather where there are always scores being settled at the same time and uh, people are getting revenge? Is that kind of a standard of Catholicism that if I'm coming to get my baby baptized, I have to knock off at least three enemies? Is that that real? Only if... The baptism is on your daughter's wedding day. On uh, your daughter's <laughs> wedding day, correct. Yeah. Hey, say hello to my <laughs> little friend. It's a whole different movie. That's a whole different. <laughs> say hello. Hey, well, you can have my babies no more. <laughs> I will say like this. Four different, four different accents. You offended like five, five countries. 
at my parish, my parish is a, a you know, it, it looks like a, the old school Catholic parish, just like the church yeah. and the Godfather. And, you know, I'm Nikki. My brother's Rocco. My other brother's Tony. I got a brother, Donato, you know, the yeah, son. You know? every, <laughs> I'm afraid of you already. Every time we do a baptism, I'm always thinking of Clemenza kicking that right. you know, elevator door, or, you know, with the shotgun and, Every time. Absolutely. You sound Absolutely. like your whole family came straight from yeah, Hell's your, your Kitchen. Whole, your whole family came from <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> exactly. So here, here's a question for you. Um, you know, we every side, regardless of who you are, has some type of stigmatism towards it. Right, You know, right. when you think of black preachers, you know, most of the time you think of... Flashy suits. Flashy suit Cadillacs. Uh, you know, sleeping with the deacon's wife, <laughs> taking the money, taking, the, you know, taking all the money, taking all the money. Uh, and, and we have we have to, you know, a lot of times we have to fight these. You know, we have to justify, you know, our, you know, the church has bills, you know, we got to have offerings. Blase, yeah, blase, yeah, yeah. blase. But, you know, when Steve you- Harvey bought me these suits. <laughs> <laughs> these were gifts from Steve Harvey. But when you think of Catholicism. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and it, regardless of who you, especially if you're not in the Catholic denomination, is the fact that, you know, these priests are having sexual relations with these little kids or uh, have or, or have had. Um, so just just if you want to, you know, kind of like put an end to that. Well, I guess you can't put an end to yeah. it. I guess I want to ask, how, how do you deal with that when that's the first thing people throw out? Like that's the dominant narrative. That's just like right. a meme at this point, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got uh, the opportunity to meet a lot of great priests in, in my lifetime. Um, I think one of the things that really helped me is when you find that the average uh, adult male, who they say has this desire uh, towards younger kids, is 4%. And that, that, that includes, you know, your school teacher, your firefighter, policeman, whatever. The percentage of priests who have not been found guilty but have been accused even is one percent what a lot of people don't realize too is sometimes when you the news says hey a a, a youngstown diocese priest um was accused of molestation sometimes these priests died 30 years ago oftentimes too there's a lot of money that's being out there and you can come forward and accuse somebody who died 30 years ago at the same time there definitely has been many cases that have happened and your heart has to go out for anybody who has been victimized, you know? And, you know, if you think about if that hit home locally, you know, there's that Catholic part of you that wants to forgive. There's that Italian side of you that says, you know, oh man, <laughs> you know, so we need to do baptism right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But yeah. Yeah. But um, I've I what I usually ask people is, do you know a priest who that who did that? Do and I've never found somebody yet. Not that I'm asking millions of people, but I've never asked somebody that I know that says, yeah. So your heart does break for these priests because a lot of them are just they're good guys and they just know that like you know there's this this stigma of you know just oh your priest means you're child molester and that's yeah, that's just not the case, you know. For right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree that unfortunately, no matter what the the the, the church, the the Christian denomination or faith center, 
the, the, the people that get the headlines, the minority that get the headlines in all faith centers, you know, they, they end up dominating and casting a shadow over, over everyone. There, there's, there's, that's just undeniable, you know, for every, in the same way for every pastor you see on CNN that embezzled money from their congregation, uh, there's, there's a thousand, more than a thousand pastors that have given the skins off their backs, oh, you yeah. know, to, to do that. And I want to talk about that and switch gears in that direction about the work of the Catholic Church and, 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 and specifically like the charitable impact, starting with the fact that, and I think it's funny that a lot of evangelicals and a lot of Christians, uh, whether black Christians, Protestant Christians, they often have these stigmas about Catholics, but we often send our children to Catholic schools and Catholic schools are usually renowned for the education and the values uh, that they instill in youth and young people and work you do around the world. I mean, it's a global church. So can you talk a little bit about the legacy of the, the Catholic church and its work. And, and while you're there, you can talk a little bit about the, the, the works-based theology. And I don't mean based theology, but the, the role that good work play in the life of the Catholic Church. Yeah, so I would say, um, <clears throat> you know, for the first 300 years of Catholicism, Catholicism was a persecuted uh, religion. It wasn't until 313 uh, that Constantine signed the Edict of Milan, which didn't make Catholicism the religion of the Roman Empire. It just said that you could be whatever religion you wanted. Uh, once you get to, to the 500s, you know, the Roman Empire falls in knowledge, really, and schooling fell with it. And this is what led to the Dark Ages. I think that when you get to Emperor Charlemagne, who uh, was you know in the 700s he was a uh, you know a devout Catholic um, person you know and he really started up uh, again the mission of public schooling. He was ver- a very big advocate of education. He was a really big person to help bring Western society out of the Dark Ages. He would even go, you know, there were so many people of, of high class who got to afford these um, great educations. And he would go and purposely find, you know, people, or young kids of, of poor statue, and he would pay for their education. He always marveled at, he found out and discovered they did better with their opportunity than the person it was just handed to. You have to remember, too, that it was monks during this dark ages that were copying the scriptures that were copying some of these uh, great works um, uh, and even some of these philosophical works uh, that really has been a big emphasis in Catholicism. You know, Catholicism really invented hospitals. We invented hospitals after Rome fell. And that was one of the things with the, with the Romans is they were like, why are you trying to take care of us? We've been trying to kill you. And uh, it was the mercy that the Catholic Church showed that um, really helped convert a lot of these people. Uh, We teach, the Catholic Church teaches more children than any other uh, private institution on earth. They feed more children than any other private institution on earth. Um, They invented hospitals. They invented the college system. 
And they do. They they have done a lot of great things. And that really is to, to follow up with your second question about where do works uh, fit into like the Catholic view of salvation. Um, Catholics do not believe that we are saved by works. We do not believe that we are saved by faith and works. The Catholic view of salvation is number one, we would say that we are saved by grace alone. Grace alone for this reason. Number one, God owes salvation to no one. No one can earn salvation. No one can work their way into heaven. That was actually uh, an early heresy known as Pelagianism, which uh, St. Augustine uh, fought against in the fourth century. Uh, Catholics believe that we're saved by grace alone because God owes salvation to no one. The other reason is uh, Catholics believe that no one without the calling of the Holy Spirit, no one would want God. We do believe that the human being is so fallen that they, no human would want God. God has to call us first. Now, we do believe that we have enough uh, in us to respond and to cooperate with the call of grace. But we believe that it's grace alone for that reason. Number two, we would believe that the foundation of all justification is faith. So that when a person who does not know God, when they truly have faith in God and they have a specific faith in Jesus, in who? a true understanding of who he was and what he did, that at that moment, we believe that the sinner would then go and have what's known as initial justification. <laughs> and at this point, they are in Christ. This person would be known as being in Christ. Now, what Catholicism does is we distinguish the difference between us <laughs> and Christ and Christ in us. Us okay. in Christ is either or. You're either in Christ or you're not. But Christ in us is a gradual changing and growing in righteousness of Christ flowing through us. That's that where sounds like sanctification. Well, we would say that because I almost quickened right there when you said that. I almost, I, I almost <laughs> did a back well, shake. But here's the thing, though. So many Protestants do confuse do say that Catholics confuse justification with sanctification. And mm -hmm. Catholicism does believe that Protestantism does separate them too much to where you can get into like, you know, the reform view of like where first you're born again, then you believe, you know, and then you're sanctified. And the point with sanctification though, but does sanctification depend on the, receiving the righteousness of Christ. And we would say, I yes, don't know, but I feel like the Lion King. I, just, I, want you to say, I want you to say sanctify one more time. Just, just, just say it. Just say it. You have a various background from all these different, whether it was the churches you went to before, does that bleed in a little bit? Uh, because you see. It helps me understand the differences and even so here's the thing let's say you call it sanctification and i distinguish this okay this is 
not part of our initial justification because initial justification in Catholicism has nothing to do with works. It's totally a work of God. You were a dead branch and by grace alone, you were grafted onto the tree. It has nothing to do with because you were good enough. You know, but (laughs) the final (laughs) sanctification, which is where we actually do believe that it changes us. You know, there's a famous quote attributed to Luther where, you know, and I don't think he said it, though. We remain snow covered dunghills like it's just the imputed righteousness alone and there's no infused righteousness. And I think that some Catholics, because Luther says this, they feel like they have to reject imputed righteousness. I definitely think it's both. We are we receive the righteousness of Christ through imputation, through a covering in the removal of our sins. But at the same time, we truly do internally receive this righteousness of Christ, because when the branch is grafted onto the vine, the branch is on the vine, but then the vine feeds in the branch and the inward part is the only part where Catholicism teaches this is how we cooperate with Jesus working in us so any good works we do we don't get credit for them it's just Jesus doing them through us like St. Paul talks about in Galatians it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives inside of me well I need to say that to be honest that's what I'm saying first, first of all welcome to the Baptist church second of all but second of all, and, and I'm going to ask a question on behalf, uh, on behalf of one of our viewers, Elder Dooley. Uh, I want to say that what you've said that Catholics don't believe in Satan's being saved by works and, and that, that, he, you know, that, that we've been describing you wrong and we've been using that in our pulpits. I have. Use that in my pulpit. We ain't like the Catholics. We don't believe that works save you. We don't believe you can work your way into heaven like the Catholics do. I mean, that has literally been a preaching point for so many Protestants. I mean, almost almost a cynical preaching point at that at that point. But but it does lead me to ask you because you're describing this process. But again, Protestants and especially modern evangelical Protestantism has this black and white Billy Graham uh, kind of, you know, come down the aisles of the stadium, say mm-hmm. the sinner's prayer. So the question is asked then, how do Catholics get saved? Is there an altar call at the end, as we call it in the, in the, in the, you know, you, you, you know how the evangelical, the Protestant church does the, the altar call, you know, uh, is, is there a sinner's prayer or, or do you just come to the priest and say, I, I, I feel I need to repent or, or a, a first confession happens or a first communion happens. How does an adult convert to Catholicism? So I'm glad you said the, the adult thing. Let's go with the adult thing. And, and let's go with a, I'm going to throw a term out there. Catholicism, we talk about the normative means of salvation. Because a lot of times people want to know, like, what's the what's the least for me. It's already, it's already. That was already too hey, deep. I'm about to use no. that. Right. No, yeah. So this is what I mean. Some people be like, well, wait a minute. What about the thief on the cross? Or, or what about, you know, a guy in India who never heard of the name of Jesus? They can't be saved. And, like, let's not worry about the minimum. Let's, let's focus on how biblically does the Bible describe that if this happens in your life, you will be saved. Number one, for an adult, we believe that when Peter came out in Acts after he received the power of the Holy Spirit 
and he preaches this great sermon where he converted 3,000 people. I felt it. People, they asked him, you know, after he said the Messiah came and you killed him, and people were so overwhelmed, they said, oh, my gosh, what do we have to do to be saved? And Peter said, believe, repent, and be baptized. So the first process is repenting. So once, or let's say belief, like as an adult, you believe, not only do you believe in God, and not only do you believe in Christ and the mission of Christ and the mission of the, the Holy Spirit and what Jesus did and how he died, how, how he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that he died, was buried and resurrected and ascended into heaven to be our high priest. Uh, not only do you believe that, but you also believe in original sin. You believe that you as a human being cannot earn salvation. You need a savior. And once you understand this and you accept through this faith, you accept Christ. Now you are called to repent of your former way of life. I do think too many times Christians, and I think this goes to the side of Catholicism, what works. When people think of repenting, they only think that that means repenting of their sins of commission, but it also means repenting of not doing good works. You know what I mean? You know, so right. if you're right. yeah. people, you got to repent, you know? Um, now, at this point, we would view it then, there is a conception like a, a seed that's like you're conceived, this this faith is conceived in you, but this faith right. comes to birth in baptism. We do not view baptism as a symbol. We do believe in regenerational baptism. By baptism. <laughs> that's a break. That's a difference. Because I would get up and preach that bat water don't save you. Mm-hmm. Water don't save right. you. It's just a sign of identification with Jesus Christ. A Catholic view would be, it is a regenerative work. It is a regenerative grace, a sacrament. Right. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. The, the reason why is, and it's not a Catholic view, like Luther, it's Martin not- Luther believed in regenerational baptism. This is not just a Catholic viewpoint. I think that Zwingli right. uh, really has, you know, is more of the American accepted viewpoint today. Um, but in the Old Testament, when the people decided to follow Moses out of Egypt, were they saved at that point? Well, we could say, yeah, but really their slave masters didn't die until Moses went through the Red Sea. He had to go oh, through the waters with the people. And then his enemies were killed off in it. The same let, way let me just stop you right there. Let me, let me just stop you in this good <laughs> preaching. Because when we get to preaching like that, there's an organ hit somewhere behind, you know, there's a little. And I, I, I know you guys don't don't have the the the, the, the black church organs, but do, do y'all get a little oh, a little flavor? Organs, man. You get a little <laughs> yeah. spicy? Yeah. The, the, the Sister Mary on the pipe organ can get a little spicy when, when the priest starts talking good. I mean, because. <laughs> no. <laughs> Angle I just Angle need happens. I just need one E flat chord right in there. If you, you think somebody's speaking in tongues, it's just Latin. <laughs> walk, walk through the, listen, walk through that, right. Walking through that Red Sea almost did it to me. So 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 I, I get exactly where you're going well, with that. And I understand. Even, even with Jesus in John 3, when you must be born again, 
Yeah. You must be born of water and spirit, he said. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. John 1, Jesus is baptized with the water. John 2, Jesus turns water into wine. John 3, he says you have to be born of both water and spirit. At the end of John 3, him and his apostles go and baptize people, although he did not. And then, you know, you get John 4, I think, you know, the, the woman at the well. you got to get into the seventh chapter of John before you don't have water involved, though. But, yeah, that would be a difference. Not to get into the big theological thing, but I we do believe that. Listen, Reverend Dr. Nikki <laughs> Nofi, you are walking heavy, sir. Doc, that, sir! This, this is what black people say. You sir. walking heavy, Doc. You yes. walking heavy. Oh, my God. I'm just heavy. I'm a, I'm a plumber, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you walking heavy saying that? That's why I'm doing water. I know the water part real good. Right, right. No, I, I, I love it, and I love talking about that. Number one, there are going to be differences. There are distinctions. There, there, there's a reason that there is a, a break between the Catholic Church and, and Protestant believers. But, but I love the fact that there is clarity to what exactly those differences are, as opposed yeah. to what we assume right, right, they right. are. And 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 I, I've been grateful to hear that. I just believe that that's what this show is. And that's what this show was for. That's why Big Mike wanted to have the show to show that there are so much more similarities. Yeah, let's cut the first 15 minutes off of this show. <laughs> like it didn't happen because this is good. I mean, it's great. You know, I mean, but I think the first 15 minutes need to happen also. Because True. it's yeah. first of all, if, for those of you who don't know, we do have a pre-show. We, we talk about a little bit yeah, about we do talk what we're we going to talk, talk about. about. Yeah. So some of these this things. was agreed to. It was agreed to. It was, <laughs> we just, we ain't just throwing stuff out right, here. Right, right. You know, just making stuff up. Except you know? for the part about Jeff <laughs> talking about women's stomachs. We did not agree to that. Or, or ta- talking about what, <laughs> what that mouth do. <laughs> mouth gate. The theological term is mouth gate. Um, just real quick, though, uh, because uh, Elder Dooley did have a question uh, about the sprinkle and the bat and the, yeah. and the submerged. Uh, and I, I just want you to talk about that. Do you guys sprinkle right. or submerge? So you can submerge. Um, the Catholic Church is actually one church made up of like, 25 different rites or different like traditions. I, I know everybody loves that word tradition, but um, uh, it's these different like styles, different ethnic groups. Uh, when people think of Catholic, they only think of the Western, you know, Roman rite. Um, so in the Roman rite, it is the common thing to sprinkle. We do view that that word for baptism can literally mean just a sprinkling. Um, uh, you know, so, you know, baptized by the Holy Spirit, it, it doesn't mean that we get dunked, you know, into the Holy Spirit or, or anything like that. Um, you haven't been so to my church yet, Doc. What's that? <laughs> you haven't been to my church yet. You, yeah. you, you will so, get dunked all the way. We do view that, um, that the term baptism, though, can mean um, sprinkling, though. And we feel okay. that there are church fathers, you know, the early Christians who, who defended that belief. Also, but I definitely have nothing. If somebody believes in full immersion, I definitely have nothing against it. So, so, so what's up with these th- these certain particular videos we've seen where where they're doing these babies like I, I know it's like a joke video or, or whatever it is. And they probably loop it, but 
sometimes they're like really dunking these babies kind of hard. I mean, is, is there like, did they feel a special blessing on the baby or something? Or is that a well, certain country? Or? That might even be, because uh, a lot of people get confused uh, with Catholics and Orthodox. So the okay. Orthodox, which is the Eastern, you know, the Catholics and the Orthodox were one church until technically 1054, you know. Schism. And officially, though, you know, not until the 1400s when we kind of like 1054 is like when a husband and wife just they separate. And then like in the 1400s, uh, the Council of Florence, this is when they like the divorce was signed. You know, uh, that's mm-hmm. when they really was official. Uh, the Eastern Orthodox, though, do do um, full submersion with the babies and they do Eucharist gotcha. right away, too, where we wait until the kid is older enough to understand, gotcha. and, you know, the Lord's Supper. Gotcha. I, I, I love that. And I want to talk about that a little bit, because, again, we're talking symbolism versus uh, sacrament, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. and we talk about the Lord's Supper. You know, most of your Protestants don't believe in transubstantiation would be the term that we've been familiar with that, right. that don't believe. We say these are just symbols of the body and the blood of, of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I can't say you you explain what the Catholic view of the Eucharist is and, and what that entails spiritually and the way that it is viewed. Okay. So we the short view, version, the cliff notes, the cliff notes okay. version. Talk to me like a two year old. You got the wrong yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say this. Um, we view number one that uh, why the Eucharist is important. When a man stands before a woman in front of the church and they profess and make this commitment publicly to each other, you know, the pastor then says, You may not be. You are now husband and wife. They are husband and wife, but the two have not yet become one flesh. That has to happen, you know, after with the marital act. Our view, Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. We make this confession to Christ and we accept Christ. When we partake of the Eucharist, um, this is... You know, which is Greek for Eucharistia, which means like uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, that's what the, what we call the Lord's Supper. Um, this is when we physically unite with him. And this is why book of Revelation is the wedding supper of the Lamb. Even Jesus makes this all this unending amount of wine at the wedding feast. But what we believe is, number one, we do not believe that the real presence, the idea of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, I do not believe this is a Catholic Protestant thing. I think that um, your his, most of your historical Protestants believed in the real presence. The Catholic version is what's known as transubstantiation, which is basically this Aristotelian, you know, Aristotle philosophy terminology that was used by Thomas Aquinas in the 1200s to describe this um, belief. And what it is is everything is made up of essence and accidents. You have your being, like what makes you happy, what makes you sad, who you are, but that's different than your accidents would be your tangible things. You know, what color your skin is, you know, uh, you know what your hair feels like, you know, um, what you smell like, you know. Uh, these would be your tangible things. What our belief is, is when the bread and wine come down, they have at that point 
the essence of bread and wine and the accidents, the tangible things of bread and wine. Once the consecration happens, the essence of bread and wine is removed and the it's replaced or it's transferred. The substance is transferred with the essence or the substance of Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity. The accidents always remain bread and wine. So if you took it to a lab under a microscope, it's going to look like bread. It's going to taste Still like bread. bread. Wine. It's your, you're consuming his whole being, his soul, his divinity. That differs from Luther. Luther believed in consubstantiation, which he described it as if you had fire and you had an iron rod. These are two different things. Now, if you stuck that iron rod in the fire for a few hours, now you bring this iron rod out that's this glowing fire. Now he said, see, it's both. It's, it's iron and it's fire. And this is why he believed, he believed at the consecration that the bread and wine remained, but now it is filled uh, with the presence of Jesus. This was one of the reasons he could not unite with the other Protestants, because Luther actually believed that if you did not believe in the real presence of Christ, that you could not be saved. Now, the Reformed view, which is more of a Calvinistic viewpoint, is the idea, since they don't believe that they make the argument, I believe it's from Chalcedon, maybe described even more at the Council of Orange, that Jesus's humanity could be at many different places at, at once. So they say, he, therefore, he cannot be on all these different altars at once. So what the Reformed kind of view is, picture the Lord's Supper almost as an elevator of virtue, that when you go and you believe, the Catholics and, and Luther believe, believed it was the real presence, whether you believed it or not. The Reformed view is that if in faith you receive this Lord's Supper, it's like this elevator of virtue that then, it, that then trans, um, you know, it, it, it takes you up almost into heaven to where then in heaven you participate in the real presence of Christ. Only I would say the Zwingli view, which again is probably more of the modern American view, um, was more of a just a, it's a purely symbolic. What I think that the differences between Catholic and Orthodox view versus all Protestants is not the real presence idea, but the sacrificial terminology. We do believe that when you go to mass, and this is an honest difference, we believe that you are actually participating in the once and for all sacrifice of Christ at Calvary. You are being pulled out of time because although Christ went into the heavenly sanctuary and he only died once, there's only one sacrifice. He died once for the atonement. He doesn't, you know, re-sacrifice himself over and over. But we believe that when Christ actually ascended into heaven, he took his sacrifice out of time. And this, why he sits at his seat because his job is done he then ever presents this atoning sacrifice to yes, the Father. Yes, yes. We, we all participate in it, but that, that's the difference. Heavy. Walking yeah. heavy again. Nick, you are a preacher. I don't care what nobody say. You are a preacher. Pre whatever you Preaching want to call yourself. Listen, 
our time is our time is coming to an end. I just want to ask you one more question before we before we close here. Our time yeah. is coming to an end. But I've heard a lot of people say that um, confession, confession time is becoming antiquated. People aren't coming going to confession as much as they were. Um, and and maybe and a lot of a lot of the reasons is basically because of some of the scandal that's going on or that had took place. What, what would you say to that? How would you respond to that? Is it becoming antiquated? Yeah, I think that um, when you find a Catholic who um, reads scripture and reads, you know, reads church history, um, they're usually, they are the ones who go to confession. Uh, it's actually a precept of the church. We have to go to confession once a year it, because we have to receive the Eucharist only once a year. Um, I think that as we get in this world where uh, somehow, you know, Christianity is somewhat more becoming this um, self-help, you know, um, organization, a motivational uh, thing. And and listen, encouragement has a place in Christianity. It does. Sugar has a place in your diet. But if all you eat is sugar... They call that theology diabetes. Okay. So uh, if you only have encouragement and uplifting and you're special uh, and you don't understand too the, how grave sin is, uh, it's going to make people feel like I don't need to go. And then really, I don't even need a savior. The reason I go to church is to be happy. Well, and I feel better. Yeah. I want to feel better. I want to feel in our in our theology. Because one of the differences I also would say is Catholicism also makes this bold claim that, you know, we are the church Jesus started. And one of the things that we believe, why we go to confession, because people, I hear this all the time, why don't you just go straight to Jesus? We teach that when you sin, you do pray immediately right to God. But if the three of us were on a three-on-three basketball tournament, and we made it to like this, the, the national championship. And if we win, we win a million bucks. You guys show up for the championship game. I got drunk and I didn't show up. Okay. You know, was that a sin? Yes. Well, if I just go confess my sins and apologize to God, is there anybody else I need to apologize to? You two, right? Because not only did I let God down, I let you down because we were one team. So the idea of what the confession is, we are one body. And when we want to engage in communion, which is about uniting all of us, we bring our faults to the church. And instead of going to the billion Catholics, I go to a priest. And this is why as soon as Jesus resurrected on Easter Sunday, when he was in the upper room with the apostles, he told them in John chapter 20, he breathed. Now, this was only the apostles. This is not Pentecost. This is only the apostles. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit as my father has sent me. Now I send you. Therefore, go. If you forgive anybody of their sins, then they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them of their sins, they are not forgiven. The reason I had to read that when I heard that the first time, I was like, that's not in the Bible. John chapter 20. The first uh, the the reason Jesus gives this authority to the apostles is not so the priest lorded over us, but just so that we can come back into communion 
with the church. And this is why Jesus establishes these representatives. So we attach the confessional, though. So you attach the priesthood and the, and the lineage of the papacy to the, the early apostles and that command and that authority given to the first apostles. That That's sort of down the line in a way. Of, of what you're describing, you know, that phrase I've heard before, Catholic guilt, you know, that 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 you go to church and you're reminded of your sin. You're reminded of, you know, like people talk about that in a way that's obviously negative, you know, uh, as, as a cliche almost. But I do agree. And I think a lot of people have this tension in all reformations of too much sugary you know, preaching and, and, and all of that. And some people would push back and say, well, well, Jesus, you know, when, when Christ died on the cross, the, the veil was rent. One of our commenters said that the veil is rent and there are scriptures that describe us all as being priests or having access to the throne and let's come boldly before him. And, and, and that is a, a big part of Protestant uh, in some branches of Protestant yeah, theology we that we, we don't have a mediator besides Christ. Every Christian right. that's baptized is baptized as a priest, a prophet, and a king. I have a priestly duty. I'm not uh, an established priest. So the veil was broken, but Jesus still had apostles. When the Judaizers were saying you had to be circumcised in order to be a Christian, you had to be a Jew to be a Christian, Paul brought this to the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. You see Jesus established a church with authority. And what happens is with the veil being broken is the Old Testament priest had this authority of the keys given to them. These keys of authority they had. This is why Jesus says, don't do what they do, but respect them because they sit on the seat of Moses. But what Jesus tells the apostles is you will sit on 12 thrones. You will judge the 12 nations. He doesn't get rid of the chairs. He just establishes them. And then with the keys... He tells Peter in Matthew 16, which is kind of the big Catholic verse, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gives that to Peter in Matthew 16. He gives it to the other apostles, the ability to bind and loose in Matthew 18. This was a very rabbinic terminology which meant being able to bring you back into the community of Israel. Today, binding and loosens like you drive past a house. You're like, I, I bind that house. I want that house. I name it. I bind that house. So yeah. that, that, that is our, our view. Of, and Jesus did. He is our high priest. He is the shepherd. But there's a reason why, although Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, at the end of John, there's a reason he gives Peter this three-fold uh, shepherd duty of feeding his sheep and tending his flock. So, like, that's our belief is that the Pope, we can trace all the Popes back to Peter. That's gotcha. our well, I appreciate the conversation, Absolutely. and and I have seen some videos of, of, of Catholic churches that have full gospel bands, and I've, the, the videos of people dancing and when can we get all of our churches online with that? I mean, you know, cause I, you know, we got some extra musicians hanging around. I mean, we can come <laughs> spice up your service at any time. Uh, I will walk on pews at anybody's church, including <laughs> kneelers. I do kneelers as well. I walk on kneelers. Uh, 
Huh? You like incense? incense? Oh yeah, preachers love cologne. <laughs> we love yeah. cologne. We we totally overdo it with the smell goods. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I've seen the videos. What's your opinion? We'll, we'll leave on this, and please give us like the thirty second version, and we'll let our um, big Mike have the last word. What's your opinion when you see more lively Catholic churches? Is that just a reflection of that neighborhood or culture or community that birthed that church and the people that attend? Because I've seen some all black congregations, mm-hmm. almost like a Pentecostal gospel Baptist style congregation, and that's kind of their music of the of the service. Uh, what is your opinion of that? Is that an outlier and it's not really, is it frowned upon by the churches or? So I believe that um, as long as the mass is done with integrity uh, and it's done by the book, as far as like the the prayers are very theological. Um, I don't mind. And I actually enjoy the different expressions based on different cultures, you know, uh, you know, in in here um, we can, um, we can, uh, you know, raise their hand and say, Hey, hi, you know, other countries, you know, that they wipe themselves with that hand. You don't ever want to show your hand, you know? So sometimes it's just a cultural thing. Gotcha. I, I personally am Italian, but I don't really like the idea of Italian Catholic parishes. Cause I believe the Catholic means not only to the whole truth, but it means universal. Right. All different people, different expressions. God likes it all like different colored leaves in the fall. And, and so I think as long as, the liturgy is done right. If you want to play a, a guitar or, you know, whatever, um, I'm, you know, I, I think that that's, that's good. I would never go to, you know, like Jamaica or something like that and be like, oh, you have to do this all in Latin, you know, you know. Can I come to your church and start speaking in town? That's what I really want to know. Not during mass, but no, there are charismatic uh no, there yeah, is a stop big charismatic moment in the in the in the <laughs> what's that? So they're not going to stop me. Don't I'm tell like, Nikki they ain't going to stop you. Nikki might go get the rest he of them. might go get Rocky and Donato. They're going to stop you. <laughs> used to make that little nod like, hey, hey, hey. Hey, this has been an amazing conversation. Some heavy stuff, some lighthearted stuff. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We actually threw the heavy stuff at the front end, you know, and then some of the lighthearted stuff on the back end. Uh, but I think it's been a great. Uh, and when we heard everybody, really, I mean, the comments, we don't expect agreement or, or people to be happy because we did get some comments of even a little bit of disappointment felt like we were being a little too uh stereotype right, you know in right. a way kind of painting with a broad brush but honestly we're speaking on behalf of the conceptions that often are attached right. to the church where we obviously don't feel all the priests are doing this or all the catholics are like this but we knew we were coming into this with an audience that often speaks to that situation so thank you for hitting those things head on honestly and by the way nikki acknowledged he is of one type of catholic opinion and people have other opinions and there are liberals there are conservatives there are people in the middle and 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 so you got to take that with a grain of salt that if i brought another person who is of the catholic faith onto the show they might say some opposite answers from their perspective and they're from their opinion and, and still count themselves as faithful so we appreciate you jumping into this uh, conversation, uh, you know, and, and, and honestly engaging. I, I really appreciate that. And I want to uh, bring Big Mike in and just allow him to make a few comments and we'll get out of here because we're, we're kind of on our time here. But uh, go ahead, Big Mike. Uh, Nikki, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, man. Appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah, uh, me and this cat talked a couple of times, man, and I, I, I could tell I could tell he was kind of deep and I, I, I knew it would be a good fit. 
So thanks again for coming on, man. We'll be in touch. We will definitely be in touch. Okay, I wanted to just say this. If you want to find out some more of my thoughts, I have a Cigar Lounge Theology on YouTube. I do a crash course in biblical Catholic thing. And then I have a, a Bible study on Wednesday nights called Bible in the Barn. So you can look me up on Facebook if you're in the cigar Young Lounge. Lounge. I know a lot of Baptist preachers that are coming to your Cigar <laughs> Lounge. I, I know. A, I, I, I'm not one of them, but I, I know I know quite a few. Uh, listen, let's everybody give it up for Nikki. Everybody give it up for Nikki. Nolfi being our guest today, uh, sharing with us. Let's. Hang out backstage for us real quick, Nikki. If you got a minute, hang out backstage and, and, and we'll holler at you when we log off if you can. To everybody who what's up, little dude? Hey, how man, you feeling? How you doing, buddy? Santino. Santino. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, Sonny. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Nikki. All right. Listen, everybody, don't forget to like, share, subscribe on YouTube. Uh and and to tell other people to follow us, we want to thank our sponsors, not only Phillips Care uh, Services, Phillips Care uh, Lawn Care, uh, but also Phillips Care Fitness. Right. And they are the owners of High Street Fitness in Cortland, Ohio. Mike Phillips will get you right, get you tight. He'll take care of your cigar bod and your beer belly and everything else. <laughs> and uh, so we want to thank our sponsors for that. Thank everybody for tuning in. Keep the conversation going. Like, share. Tag somebody, comment, keep arguing, keep fussing. It makes our metrics go up. <laughs> Say something ugly. Mention Donald Trump, whatever, whatever. Works. Well, who's the new one? Elon Musk. Elon Mention Musk. him in the comments. Yes, yes. And that'll make our, 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 our analytics go way up, way up, way up. So until next time, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hang out for a second, Nikki. You all take care. God bless. Peace.